We've all seen RJ Barrett's pink suit he wore to the draft, and we've taken notice of the formal wear he's been wearing through the tunnel and for other events. RJ Barrett's wearing Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings that RJ helped pick out and design. Indochino's process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at the nearest Indochino showroom, or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. Incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Nick's Wall podcast. Uh, I am your host, I'm Anthony Corbo. Joining me today, I have my co-host Kyle Maggio. What's going on, man? Not much, man. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right. We're part of the uh, Blue Wire Network, brought to you this week by Indochino, Harry's, and Roman. A little bit more on them later. Uh, head to the nickswall.com. Go check out all the stuff our writers are putting up. We have a lot of talk on some of the topics we're going to cover tonight. Uh, you know, a little bit more about how Frank Nielkina can hold on to some minutes after some decent play. Obviously, uh, tons of coverage on the Fizdale situation. So go check out all that. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, all the other podcast providers over on YouTube. Um, do all that stuff. You know, follow us on Twitter at Anthony Corbo, at Kyle Maggio, at the Knicks Wall, at TKW Podcast, all that stuff. I'll list them off again if you need it, but I'm going to trust you got it. Um, woof, what a week it's been since we last spoke, my friend. Uh, we've certainly had some highs and some lows where the Knicks season is very much in full effect. And, you know, I think, what are we, 11 games in now at this point? Yeah. So, I mean, I, it's hard to even imagine where to start, but I, I think the biggest news and the loudest news that's been out there the last couple of days has been the talk of, um, uh, you know, after the Knicks got blown out by the Cleveland Cavaliers at home on Sunday and booze were raining down from, you know, every direction of the, gar- of the garden before even halftime, uh, it, you know, we had a, a very odd situation where Steve Mills and Scott Perry came out and addressed the media and said that they, you know, weren't at the spot where they expected to be at this point in the season either. And 
uh, and you know, Fizdale spoke after that, but it kind of became a situation where uh, it was interpreted as you know, Steve Mills especially trying to lay down the groundwork for Fizdale's eventual dismissal. And now we're at this point where you know we're hearing a lot of coverage, a lot of people talking about David Fizdale, you know, uh, coaching, you know, on the hot seat, coaching for his job. Um, it is. A fascinating situation. I don't think we've ever been here this early in the season. Uh, where where do you stand right now on all of the on the uh, Fisdale hot seat rumors? You agree that uh, Steve Mills is trying to run him out of town? You agree that he should be run out of town? Uh, where are you as on the two and nine Knicks and their leadership right now? Yeah, so I I went on a little bit of a lengthy thread before on Twitter. Um, I I don't usually do that. I'm normally much more aimless with my thoughts, but um, look, Fizdale has his flaws. I understand that. Um, I have plenty of issues with what he's doing, um, especially in offense and defensively with uh, his switch, everything, no matter what, even if it doesn't make sense uh, defense. So, even with all that, it's just a really bad, clunky roster. Like, we talked about it in the summary. If every single thing went well, everything went well. Like, best case scenario for all of our predictions, like, they maybe win 30 to 35 games. Like, it's just, it's not a good team. Even, you know, that this is what we were saying for these people expecting, like, 30, 30-plus 30 wins. Uh, it's just not going to happen. Like, I don't know. I understand he's not a good coach. I have plenty of issues with him, but also simultaneously, like what good coach was going to be able to put a clunky front court together effectively. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, things exist. And I I do think that good rotations exist for this team, but that to me doesn't mean, you know, fire Fizdale. I mean, even if he was doing everything well with his talent level, Right. We have two more wins. Right. I mean, yeah. If that, you can't even really count on it for for wins at this point. They're just so. All right. This story has been out for a couple of days now. By the time this comes out, you know, there's there's a lot of opinions out there already. Um, You know, really, we're seeing a lot of people who are of the opinion that you know Fizdale is, is not a perfect coach by any means. Um, but this, this roster, you can't look at the build of it and, you know, go up and down and look at the skill set of each player and say that it was built to compete. It's just, you know, it's just an impossibility. So, you know, I, I, it's, that's kind of the opinion that I think is out there right now. And I think you and I both agree on that, that, you know, Fizdale was really put in a position here not to succeed. And, you know, everyone's kind of like recanting the same tales of you know Nick's Nick's uh you know overlords past the Phil Jackson era you know even before that we had you know we had these coaches that were just given these mediocre players you know especially in the like peak tanking years to you know essentially say you know go out do the best you can but like you're you're super limited here and then this year it was a little bit of a different thing where they you know, they signed all these guys 
and with the hopes of actually being competitive, but just kind of turning a blind eye to where those players would actually fit on the court together. And I think just kind of being of the opinion that, you know, if you get enough talented players, they'll be able to figure out how to play around each other, which is true to like a point, but you can't have four guys who do the exact same thing, trying to be out there at once. And the other problem is here, you, you have guys who feel like something's been owed to them or something, or something is promised to them. You know, these are the guys who, you know, these are guys like Julius Randle or Marcus Morris who, you know, they expect a certain amount of minutes. I think Bobby Portis too, especially when you come on these one-year essentially contracts with the team option on the end. But, you know, forget about that for a second. Just you come on the the one-year contract and you're just, you think that you're going to be able to go to this, this bad team, ball out, and be able to play for your next contract that's going to be multi-year and be of a significant, you know, dollars per year value. So when guys don't get that, they they start getting upset, and that kind of ruins all your chemistry on the court because then you just have guys who are all going for their own thing. And like I think everyone kind of expected something like that to happen this year with these players, but I mean, it's eleven games in, you know, nine, ten games in, the, these issues started popping up. It's incredible to me that this all started going on as early in the season as, you know, it did. But, I mean, this time bomb's been ticking for years. It, you know, it's pretty volatile at this point. Yeah, look, for me, for me, and people have disagreed and will disagree, but this is a front office issue. Like, you, you created this team. Like, and no matter how far back you want to go, like, to me, it falls in the front office. If you want to go short term, well, Perry and Mills signed all these guys this summer. They're the guys at Media Day who stuck up for their signings and kind of scoffed at the uh, the power forward thing and just basically said, like, no, this is a good team. It makes sense. Like, wait till you see them on the court. Okay, well, we did that. It, and, and what? I mean, they're getting run off the floor most nights. I mean, they had the good game against the Mavs. That was fun. The strange Bobby Portis revenge game. That was fun. But... Aside from that, and even parts of those games, like they've looked gross at times. So, I mean, I, I just don't know what they, what did Perry and Mills expect? I mean, for once, I actually agreed with one of those Stephen A. Smith Knicks rants. Normally, I know he's just doing it for attention and ratings, but this time he said the same thing. He's just like, you expected them to be better. Like, how do, how do you do that? Like, I just I don't know. To me, it's 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 strange. It kind of irks me. I don't get. Uh, we knew the roster didn't make a lot of sense. We knew that there was too many forwards, and regardless of what you want to label them, it was too much. It's just it's they all do the same kinds of things, like you mentioned before. It just it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Like guys have to you have to really mix and match and stagger with this kind of a lineup, and that shouldn't be it. You should have a team full of versatile kind of guys who can play a couple different positions or styles and that way the ball's always kind of flowing and this isn't the way you do that and i like a lot of these guys individually um you know especially the older guys like i've always been high on randall and he's been lost to start you know no yeah yeah and you know marcus morris can be useful but he's coming in just shooting and shooting and shooting and it, it just nothing's the only guy that I'm encouraged by right now is RJ. That's it. 
And we I, uh, even he the last couple of games, which we'll get to a little bit later on, but even he has shown some signs of wear from taking on such a heavy load for this team already. Yeah, and you know, it's just like to me, it's just uh it's just a little front like I, I just don't know why everybody's so afraid to discuss mm-hmm. it being a front office issue. Like why why do we need Perry and Mills to be successful? Why do we need them to be the guys? I like Perry. I've always like I've said this on the pod, even when I don't agree with how things have been going. I've always kind of liked what was going on, but I mean, he, he, I was willing to buy into Perry. Like he was like, at the very least, he wasn't just some like inexperienced big name like Phil Jackson was, who's just gonna you know come in and do nothing and just kind of be a figurehead for three years, like you know, you know, he wasn't Magic Johnson or anything like that. But yeah, he, I mean. He's kind of proven to be a little bit ineffective and just kind of on the roster, like just, you know, real quick on the, you know, the forwards and everything people were saying over the summer and it was a joke and it was against Knicks fans and everything that, you know, this team signed for power forwards. And, you know, we kind of like shrugged it off, like, you know, just kind of thinking they will find a way to play with around each other out there. But, you know, it's just, it's not working so far. And part of that is on, you know, whether it's entirely Fisdale, whether it's promises that were made by the front office, but, you know, his, his, you know, unwillingness to, you know, play the lineups that make sense to, you know, separate the trio of, of Marcus Morris, of Julius Randle and Bobby Portis when he has the opportunity to, he only recently started putting Portis to the bench for Taj Gibson uh, with Mitchell Robinson out, which I think is a big move. Uh, Gibson's really been the only signing that I've honestly really enjoyed from this summer so far, but, um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, honestly, it all stems back for a cup from a couple of years now. It's, it's just kind of the bad moves kind of catching up to them. And, you know, it, it kind of shows that like, if you're going to move your, you know, your franchise cornerstone you've been building around and you know, the sacrifices you had that the Knicks had to go through and that Knicks fans had to go through to draft Christoph Sporzingis were, you know, pretty intense. How much fucking Jason Smith did we watch? You know, like it's, it was like, those are crazy years. Those are 17 win years. We just had one of those last year. Like we know what the deal is with those, but it's just like, you know, you got to know what you're giving up and you got to know what you're going to get back. And this is going to really, really hurt the Knicks, at least for this season, not having the kind of plan A off season that they were going to go for and then passing this off as plan B and really having, you know, all of their hopes in essentially RJ Barrett. Like, you know, hope, you know, maybe you get something out of Kevin Knox and Frank Nielakina, you know, you're really at this point, just, just building around RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. And like, that's not enough this season to get you, you know, anywhere near competitive. So I don't know what you're trying to do. Yeah. Well, there was another update today, um, right before we got on the pod actually. So, um, Woj, why not? Is it Woj or Watch? It's Woj. Woj. Thank you. So Woj uh, went on ESPN earlier and they asked him about David Fisdale's job security and the situation 
with the New York Knickerbockers, and Woj says, and I quote, he is not safe. His job is very much in peril right now. This is a Knicks team that is somewhat in a spiral. The dismissal of David Fisdale is inevitable. There is a bond broken between management and their head coach, which uh, should come as the surprise to uh, as a surprise to nobody because when they had the press conference after, um, you know, the game the other night, they basically used all the "it's coach's fault" buzzwords when they said it's a lack of focus, a lack of execution. Uh, it's basically saying, you know, the coaching sucks. And you held the press conference to, of course, question the coaching. So I got to be honest, too, just kind of taking a look at Fizdale's like interviews this week, too, kind of strikes me as a guy who is uh, a little bit checked out on this situation. So like, that's not great. Um, he does have this season and two more remaining on his contract, too. So like. Honestly, I don't think he's sweating it too much if he's going to continue to get money like that, you know, like, but when, I mean, you know, it just comes down to it. This, I, what are we like? What, where can we place our hope right now? That's really the thing that's, that's frustrating. And the thing I don't really have a good answer to right now is like, you know, I don't really have any, I, I most certainly don't have a belief in Steve Mills. Like the faster Steve Mills is out, the better because he is, you know, if not the root of all of these issues, he is at least the liaison to the issues and, you know, coming from ownership. Um, so it's like, you know, I don't have any faith in, in Steve Mills. Scott Perry hasn't shown me any reason to put any faith in him either. Like I, I if you were to ask me today, you know, you present candidates in front of me, I'm certainly going to take a take a look like there's no reason why I would want to hold on to Perry for you know, the sake of it, of keeping him around for any reason. So there's that. I don't believe in Fisdale. I think he's kind of checking out already. So there's that. I don't believe in our roster. So there's that. It's just, you know, the only, literally the only hope we have here is, you know, four young players who may eventually become, you know, at least rotation players on the next, the next, you know, I don't even want to say playoff bound the next like 30 win Knicks team, however many years in the future that may be. But the literally the only hope you can have right now is for RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox and Frank Nielakina and Dennis Smith Jr. So five, uh, those are your five. See what you can get out of them. And you know, that's really about it. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. It's just, there's, there's not much to look out for. Yeah, basically, I mean, this is what's going to happen now. So they're going to fire Fisdale. I'm going to imagine the Knicks are going to most likely lose uh, the next couple of games or two of the next three, something like that, at least. And so they're going to fire Fisdale. I I don't think he makes it to like next week. So that's just my gut feeling. Um, It's just crazy. It's fucking wild. Like... (laughs) It, I I feel like we fired Hornacek last week. Yeah, pretty much, man. Uh, but that's just what happens around here. This is why, like, everyone got mad at me when I was saying pump the brakes on the whole, oh, it's a new culture, everything's great stuff, because this is why. Like, this is what happens. This is what happens around here. This is what happens with this franchise. Like, 
you guys just gotta cool it sometimes, man. Like I want them to be good better than anybody else, but let's just stop. Like you, you can't just pretend stuff is great. You know, that Fisdale's a great coach or Perry's a great GM. Like they gotta win games, man. That's it. Like the buck has to stop somewhere. After Fisdale's fired, they're gonna probably let Mike Miller be the interim coach. I imagine that's why he was brought up to be uh, Fisdale's assistant because he was doing a good job down in Westchester. Which is interesting when you look at it in that respect. I, I think that Caleb Canales has a an opportunity as well, but yeah, uh, I mean he's he's been rumored too. I, it, yeah. I it's going to be one of those two for sure. Um, so I mean at this point they're going to let him just be the interim coach and see what he can do with the team and go from there. And whatever happens, happens. And if he could salvage it, cool. Maybe he earns himself the gig going forward. And if not. And in doing so, if he does that, pulls that off, and I don't mean playoffs or anything, but a respectable finish to the season, um, you know, I, maybe he saves Perry's job. Maybe he saves Mills' job, unfortunately, for Mills. But, um, you know, you never know. But that's going to be the first step. They're going to can Fizz. Whoever's brought up to be the interim coach, they're going to let them, okay, let's see what you can do to shake this team up. What would you do differently? Um, I'm going to imagine the first couple of weeks, you're going to see a drastically different team. Uh, I don't know good or bad, but at least the play style is going to be much different. Uh, I would hope faster, smaller, but again, we'll see. And I don't think they're going to keep whoever that coach is for next season, but you never know. We'll see. Um, But I think what most likely happens is the team still doesn't do very well. Uh, maybe they do end up keep, keeping like a Mike Miller. And then uh, I still think Perry's probably going to get canned at the end of the year, you know, barring a, a really nice turnaround here. Um, and, you know, I believe it makes, it would make sense in that scenario that Mills would be out, but I will just believe Mills when I see it. Yep. That's kind of where I stand, you know, at this point it, it's, it's kind of a, uh... You know, it's just chaos at this point, and we're going to see what comes out of it. I really have no idea what to expect, but uh, I'm sure there will be some more clarity by the time the next podcast rolls around. Uh, we, uh, you know, we got plenty more to come after this. We got, you know, we're going to talk about Frank Nielakina's play recently. We're going to talk about uh, RJ Barrett's struggles and the return of Kristaps Porzingis to Madison Square Garden. But first. Uh, I got a little bit from our sponsors here. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work or I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to roman.com bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Just go to roman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. 
That's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. And now just a quick word from our other sponsor this week, Harry's. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave hasn't changed much. And that's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love my Harry's razor. It's way better than some of the other drugstore and, you know, uh, convenience store brands I've had in the past that are just, you know, you use the blade once and all of a sudden it kind of feels like it's falling apart on you. Uh, You don't get that with Harry's. And, uh, you know, Harry's even better with that. You know, when the blades do finally run out with them, they're super convenient to get refills. They're delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription and there's no risk for you trying them out if you don't love your shave you can just let them know and they'll give you a full refund and listeners to the next wall podcast can redeem their harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and the travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. All right, Kyle. So one of the other large pieces of news to come out of the woodwork in the, uh, the last couple of days since we last spoke uh, the emergence of a true hero for the New York Knicks, the only point guard left available on the roster right now up until recently when Dennis Smith Jr. returned. But uh, Frank Nilakina has had, you know, a little bit of a week for himself. He, uh, you know, kind of got rolling in that game against the Dallas Mavericks where he had uh, 14 points, six rebounds, four assists, four steals, and three blocks uh, to go along with only one turnover. So. You know, and he followed that up in another game uh, or the game before that. He had 11 points to go with that. Like he, you know, he he's put together a string where he's looking pretty competent on defense, you know, able to move the ball. And he hasn't been consistent with his shots still, but he had he has had a couple of nights where threes are starting to go down. Um you know, kind of seeing some signs of life out of Frank Nielakina. Do you think that this is something he's going to be able to continue doing? Well, uh, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I don't know that he's going to be able to continue doing this. Um, we've already seen him kind of, I wouldn't say play inconsistently but his scoring is inconsistently and the way he's going to make his his statement the way he's going to make his breakout season happen is to have those games you know that doesn't mean i expect him to get four steals and uh three blocks a game you know but i do expect him to be able to score 10 to 12 points a game i do expect him to you know to be able to rebound four or so rebounds a game because he is a big long guard I do expect them to, you know, to be able to get you four, maybe five assists on any given night. You know, maybe between three to four is a little more reasonable as a secondary ball handler. 
um, if he's getting the minutes. So if he's if he wants to keep this job that he's now playing for, while Dennis Smith Jr., who was one of my breakout candidates, continues to look totally lost, and I know, and I'm trying to be fair despite my biases, um, to judge him not only fairly, but understand that it's a weird thing because he's had the off-court issues and uh, he had the strain back in the preseason. So I don't really know if he's uh, injured, kind of lost mentally at the moment, or some combination of both. But either way, uh, Frank's got an opportunity here to not just take a, a easy job to get at the moment because the Knicks point guard situation is not good, but, you know, really earn it and make a statement like he did with games like he played against the Mavs and uh, to a lesser extent, like the game against the Celtics and those, if he's bringing that effort every night and I know everyone likes to say like the points don't matter. They do. They do in 2019 and they do when you want to be a, a really dominant two way player. And that doesn't mean score 20 some of the points a game, but if, if for Frank to take that big first step and become a guy who's given you like 10, four and four, or 12, four and four, something like that. And some combination of a couple steals and, and blocks a game. That's a really good player. If he's shooting. Okay. Passably, you know, and I hope he does it. I don't know that he will. Um, you know, we've seen the, the, the rebounding, the assisting, the defending has still been there night to night. It's just about what he's going to do scoring at this point. And that's again, like you, you could argue about points. Aren't the only thing, but for Frank and in his young career, he just needs us not a ton, just a couple more shots a game and to hit them. And that's it. Then he's getting, like, he's really going to be okay. And he's going to always have a job in this league. So I hope, I hope is the answer. I hope I'm really, I'm hopeful, but I, I just kind of also don't think he does it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's absolutely no reason not to have doubts at this point. Like it's, it, it's, you know, he's going to be pretty hit or miss at this point. And this is a season where he really, really needs to, you know, step up to the plate here and prove himself. And like, if he can at the very least be coming through in flashes like this, like, you know, if he can like bring this fairly consistent, consistently on a week to week basis, you know, then the Knicks definitely have something in him, but you know, it's it, for right now, the biggest like the biggest problem is they just don't have a point guard they don't have anybody who can go out there and run anything like we saw early in the season that Alfred Payton was the most competent one running the point for them and it's like at this point if they want to yeah. win any games I kind of feel like they need Alfred Payton back which is a crazy thing to say but like they need competent and if, if there's anything we could learn from the Suns they just need competent NBA players like yeah so Al- Alfred would be even as a bench guard right now, let's say Frank is still starting, would just be a welcome sight because this team is just inept. Yeah, I, there, there, I mean, there's just there's just nothing that can... There's just no way to create space or like move the ball around. They're like, we're kind of getting rehashing what we were talking about earlier in the show. But, you know, it's it's just very... It's just very frustrating that, you know, there's there's nobody who has a defined role on the team. And that's the thing that we're really hoping for from Frank Nielakina. Like, he doesn't need to break out and to become a superstar or anything like that. He just needs to be able to define a role for himself on the team. And after three years and being one of the most senior guys on the team now at this point, like, 
he needs to be able to, you know, have that lockdown. And that's what we need to see from him. And we needs to be consistently happening soon. Um, so on the other side of things, uh, one of the guys who started off the season really hot, uh, and has kind of been struggling lately, RJ Barrett, the prized rookie of the Knicks, uh, you know, 2018 or 2019 off season, uh, you know, kind of started off going pretty gangbusters, scoring high twenties, you know, having that, you know, big minutes per game average, like really scoring well. And, you know, recently he's kind of just gotten himself into a little bit of, of uh, a little bit of a funk. Now he's um, he kind of starts falling behind. He gets, you know, nine, nine points against Cleveland, three points against Dallas, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, he scored against Chicago, but not a ton more going on other than that, you know? So what is, I, I don't know what, where, how do you feel about RJ Barrett's struggles in the last couple of weeks? He picked it up a little bit again the other day, but just, I don't, I don't know. Are you, do you agree with the notion that from earlier uh, in the season that he's playing too many minutes? Do you think something like that is starting to catch up with him? Uh, where, where are you on RJ as he starts settling into being a rookie on this team right now? I mean, I don't know if we can say for sure about the fatigue. I'd imagine it's a component, but uh, I mean, it's, it's a rookie season still. Um, I know I have high hopes for him and I've been, uh, you know, trying to scream his truths to everybody since uh, before the draft. Me, uh, Mike Cortez, a couple other guys. And, you know, I he's he's looked mostly every bit the part. It's just to me, there's parts of any rookie season where you just, especially when you're 19, like you're going to have off nights and your off nights are going to look a little worse. So. I'm probably grading him on a curve, but I've just seen enough with the way he's able to score and how crafty he's been so far and how strong he's been so far. Uh, the three pointers look better than I thought they were going to look. He was, he's shooting about 35% on the season. Um, you know, he, even if the fatigue's setting in a little bit, um, you, you couldn't tell when he has a game like he did last night. I know that it, it went to shit. Uh, from a broad team perspective, but career high nine assists. Yeah. Uh, one thing we talked about a lot was his vision. And, you know, I thought he showed plenty at Duke. Um, a lot of his critics thought otherwise and wanted to see him make more difficult reads more regularly. And one thing I argued was, well, he didn't have a lot of shooting or, you know, more talented teammates aside for, it was him and Zion. If he, and he threw the ball to Zion plenty. And, uh, you know, outside of that, it was like what Cam Reddish, who was underwhelming. You know, Trey Jones was never going to hit a three. So, who is he really driving and kicking to? You know, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's looking pretty good. It, it, he's he's dishing every game. You know, nine assists is nothing to scoff at. But he's at I think his previous tie before that was eight. So, I mean, he's going to keep passing regularly. I don't know what his ceiling is for passing, um, but I, I like what I'm seeing a lot from him. You know, his, he's really aggressive on the glass, which is a tremendous skill to have for a guard. He's got a quick second jump. So on his misses at the rim, he gets his own boards, kind of like a Carmelo uh, used to do. Um, Matt Spendley tweeted that out. You know, it was an underrated aspect of Melo's game was being able to rebound so effectively for so long. And uh, you see a little, you know, a little bit of that 
and RJ, that same, you know, explosiveness on that second jump. So I, I love what I'm seeing from him effort wise. Um, he's trying on defense, forced a couple nice steals. Um, just, it, it's just, he's a rookie. So he's going to have a couple of off nights, but as long as he's bouncing back consistently, to, you know, having more games like this, I'm not saying I expect, you know, 21, nine and six every night, but those like more regular, like 15, five and five time type of games. Like, yeah, I, I'm, I expect that of him now from what he's shown in the early going. I do expect that. of Yeah. Him. So, I, you know, he'll struggle, but I think I he's think okay. That there's something. Cause I had to look back at the I, I didn't look at any, uh, you know, any of the stat lines after the game, uh, after the Bulls game. Uh, so I, I just went back and looked at it now and I, I didn't even know he, uh, put up quite that many points. He, I guess it's something where, uh, you know, even the assist and the rebounds go with it, but I think it's something where there was a certain level of dominance that I felt out of him earlier in the season that I feel like is, you know, I think maybe with just the turmoil around the team right now, it's kind of hard to assert that, like, he had a good game last night and he like he had it going for he was like battling through you know the early parts of the game and everything like that but just you know he doesn't have right now that last motor to really kick into that's going to like you know be able to get them out of those situations where you know the bulls are on a 21 nothing run you know so I, I it's just i think when i see something like that go on. It just kind of like tinges the whole game for me. And now I'm just like, you know, it's hard to get over a 21 point 21 to O run uh, for a team, but at least RJ was able to make it a little bit more respectable towards the end and, you know, battle through the beginning of the game as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, ups and downs, but there's going to be plenty of ups from RJ throughout the rest of the season. Um, all right, last couple of things for tonight. We have a uh, we have a pretty important game coming up. It's going to be coming out on the day that this podcast is published on Thursday. Uh, so for this past Friday, the Knicks were able to go down to Dallas and get a hard-fought win against uh, the Dallas Mavericks and Chris Ups Porzingis, of course. Uh, but this Thursday, it all turns around. Porzingis comes back to Madison Square Garden for the first time since his trade, uh, you know, since even before his injury at that point, uh, you know, as far as playing in a game. But it's going to be an interesting atmosphere. Um, do you think that the Knicks are going to be able to get through this, uh, you know, heavy slump that they're trying to fight through right now to be able to bring a little bit of energy to that matchup? Is there anybody on this team that even really cares about that matchup at this point? Um, normally I don't buy into this stuff, but actually I think so because we were asking ourselves the same thing last week because our pod was right before uh, the game in Dallas and Marcus Morris came out, you know, said he was going to be physical. He was physical. Julius Randle, uh, for all the issues he's had this year, had himself a nice game. I think it was 21 21- eight and four, if I'm not mistaken. And, but he was going right at KP on the break or, you know, they were just attacking him, attacking him on the wing. And that was the one time I actually, I liked what the game plan was. And I, I liked what Fisdale was doing. They were pushing the ball. They're getting up the court. It was nice. Um, 
Yeah, but I mean, even Frank, Frank looked like he had something to prove too. And I, not that I expect Frank to come out and replicate that performance by hitting well, four for four uh, from deep anyway. Here's just but, my point that, I, that I'm trying to make. There are only two players on the Knicks roster right now who played in a game with Porzingis. Do you know who they are? Uh, Frank Nielkina. Mm-hmm. Okay, now give me five seconds to yeah. just think of this other one. Or Google it. I have no idea. Damian Dotson. Oh, yeah. Dot- well, yeah, but they didn't. They played together. They didn't really play together. How often, though? They, I mean, they no, couldn't have played that many saying, minutes. But, no, no, but that's not the point. Like, what I'm saying is there are only two players who are on I the team. Mind. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there are only two players who are on the team right now who even, you know, shared a locker room with them, you know, at any real point besides just sitting on the sidelines. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know but, how but Marcus Marcus Morris gets up for all these rivalries. Yeah, He's just one I of those that. guys. And I guess there are like Julius know, Randall's always Julius Randall's always had a thing against playing Porzingis. I don't know what it is. That's true. But he used to slaughter Porzingis when he was a Nick. I have no idea what his vendetta was, but he, he just hated him with a vengeance, it looked like. Uh, and I get him like a redheaded child. It was bad, but I guess to a certain um, degree, like, you know, Alonzo Trier and Kevin Knox and, you know, yeah, well, not Dennis Smith because he was traded for him, but like, you know, Knox Robinson and Trier were all around last year when, you know, and got put through the ringer with all that trade shit. So, you know, maybe there's a little bit of bad blood going on there or something, but, you know, I don't really think so. That's the only thing that I'm wondering, like, you know, I know Knicks fans are going to be really heated for this game. I'm just wondering how much the actual Knicks are going to be like locked in for this game too. Like, obviously they're going to try to get something back after the last couple of losses, but you know, I know that the Mavericks are going to be trying to get one back on them too, which is why this game is scary. Um, yeah, I, I don't even, I, I can't imagine what Don Schutz is going to try to do. But yeah, it's going to be something else. Yeah, I mean, Luca, Luca gave us what for like forty ten and ten, the last time. Yeah, it was like something, something stupid, and we still won. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was quite forty, but it was close. It was it was like thirty eight or thirty nine, something like that. Hold on, I'm pulling it up right now. It was thirty eight. Thirty eight. Okay. Doncic went for thirty eight, fourteen, and ten. Which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a line I don't know I don't think that they win to be honest I obviously I'm rooting I was uh, I was watching that that game actually with a couple of our TKW OGs and uh, you know, know Ryan you yep and uh, we were just I mean, we were out of our minds happy. That was such a good game. It was fun. It was fast paced. Oh yeah, because that was the game. Like, like we really needed that. Like, that was the first game that I've been hyped for in a long time. Like, dating back to even last season. Like, I've lost like so much of my, uh, like, you know, my like spirit for this team. You know, like, I, like I, I was watching some friends. Like, I don't watch any football or anything. I've talked about on the pod, but like. You know, I was watching my friends like towards the end of the summer and like getting into the fall and everything, and they're getting like wild about football games. I'm like, you guys are over the top. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. And then I'm sitting there watching this Knicks game against the Mavericks the other day, and I'm losing my shit on my couch. Like, and I'm like, okay, I get it now. I just don't have any good teams to root for, so I never get this excited about sports anymore. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we, I, we really needed that though. That was important. I don't know if they're going to like, there's going to be other wins. There's going to be other close wins. It's just that game really hit them with like a good stride of momentum. That felt like a game that meant something. And it just feels like the Knicks don't bring that every game. So I'm really, really hoping they can do a little bit more for this next one. Yeah. I mean, just look, beat, beat them again, man. We got a lot going on. Uh, we just need a little pick me up. Just give us one. Yeah. You know, it, we're, we're due for another uh, 10 plus point Frank game. So please. Right. And like debate, like, you know, even like, the Mavericks are a fairly beatable team for a normal team. Like the Knicks, obviously everybody is going to be hard to beat, but you know, the, like the Mavericks are, we're not talking about like top tier Western conference talent. We're talking about, you know, a Knicks team here. And, or we're talking about, we're talking about the Mavericks here and, you know, Porzingis isn't that full health yet. You know, Doncic has flaws in this game. He had eight turnovers to go with that the other day, but like, he's going to be do work, but there are going to be opportunities to capitalize on some of his mistakes. Like there are holes you can exploit in this team. It's just whether the Knicks have the capabilities to be able to exploit them. That kind of worries me. Um, other than the Mavericks on Thursday, we also have Knicks Hornets on Saturday. They play the Cleveland Cavaliers again on Monday and then the 76ers on Wednesday before we speak to you all again. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of those games, Kyle? Um, I That Hornets game is just going to be a train wreck, but um, especially oh. coming after this Mavs game. Because I imagine we're going to try to play going on too. good, competent basketball. Yeah. But... But like the Hornets, I just feel like that's that's the ultimate letdown game. Like it, again, like we all know the classic Knicks move is like to win a good hard fought game again tomorrow night, make us feel good about beating KP twice, and then get like gobsmacked by the Hornets by like thirty points. So yeah, we're gonna get. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not like Rosier. yeah, like I'm very especially. I've talked a lot of shit about Rozier. Like I don't want us to get cooked. It, like I I already feel it, you know. And now we've talked about it. Uh, we spoke about it into we spoke it into existence. I don't like this anymore. Who is We're gonna get roasted? Who's the other guy who's kind of cooking for them right now? Uh, hold on. Oh, uh, Graham, right, the rookie. Yeah, or I think he's the second year player. But yeah, Devonte Graham. Uh, pretty sure it's either him or PJ Washington. Um, I just gotta look at this game logs. But like, yeah, there are. Like there's actually some like players who I can very much see going off for like yeah it's it's uh Devontae Graham's last two games he's he's had 23 and 24 points scored 35 earlier in the season like or I'm sorry no he opened up the season with those two I'm looking at it backwards he's had 19 24 15 and 35 in his last four games like this dude's going off for 45 when he comes and plays the Knicks so uh. Yeah, that's going to be fun. That's going to be some kind of evil. So enjoy that game. That's on a Saturday. So, you know, good kind of uh, evening entertainment for you. Uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with that Cavs game again. Hopefully that's the game where the Knicks feel like they have something to prove and they can come back out. Um, 
Yeah, and it's at the Garden again, too. So if the Knicks lose, you know, at home against the Cavs in any spectacular fashion again, like, I mean, that could be the game that ends up being the one that does it in for some members of the leadership staff. So uh, I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, you know, lots to come in the next week. So, uh, yeah, I mean, looking forward to looking forward to all that. Looking forward to updating all of you in a week's time. In the meantime, why don't you go over to the nixwall.com, check out all the great content that we have going up there and we'll have going up over the next couple of days as well. Uh, subscribe to us, leave us a review, leave us five stars. We'd appreciate it. Uh, you know, hit us up on YouTube, do all of that. Uh, you know, follow at Blue Wire Pods, follow at TKW Podcast, at the Nixwall. Uh, check out our sponsors, Indochino, Roman, Harry's. Uh, and yeah, lots of, lots of excitement coming in the next land in the next few days. We'll talk to you all next week. Yeah.